Good morning. Good morning to everybody this morning. The church in the world, hearing the heartbeat, hear the word of God as it's found in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Hear the word of God as it's found in Ephesians 5. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Here the word of God is found in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let us pray together. Our Father, as we come together this morning, we would ask that your spirit would come and that you would apply this word to our hearts, that we, every one of us, might be more like the Lord Jesus. For we pray in his name. Amen. Nine years ago, I had some heart tests. I actually had to ask the doctor if he would um, do these tests. And one thing led to another, and I found myself doing a nuclear stress test for the second time. Now, I had done this a couple times. I thought I had figured out the monitor. So I'm on this heart test, um, a, a treadmill, and I'm walking away. I've been going about five minutes, and it's beep, beep, beep. I'm feeling really good. About that time, they bring a little lady in. She was about this tall and about this big around. And they put her on a treadmill right beside my treadmill. And she starts walking very, very slowly. And since I'm an expert at this heart monitor reading, I decide to read her heart monitor. Well, she was dying. (laughs) That's what I thought. It was just this sea of waves across her monitor, and mine was beep, beep, beep. Well, about three minutes into it, to my great relief, they came and stopped her. And the doctor came, and I thought he was going to say, Ma'am, you're dying We need to put you in the hospital right now. But he didn't. He said, ma'am, you need to go home. Don't eat any red meat and come and see me in three months. Wow, I missed that one. Um, Well, I'm watching my own heart monitor and I haven't gotten the message yet. And I walk for about another five minutes. Beep, beep, beep. And I'm feeling really good about my heart. And I'm feeling really good about my heart monitor. And I'm feeling really good about my ability to read this heart monitor. 
Well, they finally stop me, and the doctor comes. And he says, um, Mr. Creech, we've got a problem. I think that we need to do a heart cath and perhaps even surgery. Wow. What about the beep, beep, <laughs> beep? And, and what about all those waves on hers? Well, this morning, some of you know, um, I was in the delivery room at um, Winnie Palmer Hospital. Joseph and Sadie are there right now. And um, Sadie's hooked up to a monitor. So I decided to start reading her monitor. (laughs) I have no clue what I'm looking at. But then the really cool thing is they have one monitor that has 12 different monitors on it for all the rooms around. So I'm watching all of them, and you, know, you, you sort of want to say, nurse, I think you need to go over here and do something. You know, I know I can't read any of those monitors for anything, for any reason. Today, we're going to look at the church and the world. What do their heartbeats sound like? First, the heartbeat of the world. What is it saying? It's saying, perhaps, run faster, work harder, keep up with your neighbor, rush, stay busy. I've even seen one bumper sticker out there. Jesus is coming, look busy. What is that about? The world's heartbeat would tell us that it's all about you and me. Grab all the gusto you can. You only go around once in life. What is important is money, power, and sex, the world would tell us. And on the list would go. But underneath those messages, underneath the noise, what's really being said I believe so many people are really saying, I want to be loved and valued and respected. The heartbeat of the church, what is it saying? Now the answer would vary, of course, from church to church. And some churches would differ very little from what the world is telling us. Some would say, just toe the line Just follow the rules, not only the biblical rules, but all the rules that we've made up for you to follow also. Some would say, it doesn't matter what you believe, just be good. Others would say things like, it's not about us. It's for Christ and His kingdom. And I sort of like that one. Others would say, don't worry about the people out there. They're evil, and we just need to stay inside the building here and not get out there with them at all. The sort of just bless me, church. We have to worry really about ourselves more than anything else. We might hear the heartbeat of the churches about the battles over important issues and the issues that are not so important. And usually the difference would be that the important things are the things that matter to me. There sometimes can be within the churches just as many wars and rumors of wars as there are 
in the world. We all have heard of churches splitting over incredible things like the color of the paint and chairs versus pews and the type of music we sing and on and on and on the list can go. And friends, I hope that you can praise God here with me that God has given us a unity and a vision as a family to serve Him together. As you listen to churches, you might hear the heartbeat of the importance of things like discipleship and education and community in small groups, of personal piety, of outreach and missions, of children's ministry, and on the list could go. And all of these things are so good and so important. And yet in reality, no church can do all of those things equally well. What's underneath the messages that are sent by the church? Some are telling us, just be good enough, work a little bit harder at it, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, God will love you. And then there's those churches that are resting solidly on Scripture, and they're saying, you are already loved, and you are valued, and you are respected, you are gifted, you are my family. How could you not be all of those things? For you have been created in the very image of God. And Christ has sacrificed His life for you. But not only are you loved and valued and respected, so are others out there in our city and halfway around the world. And you have a message to take to them. Now, if we're really going to hear the heartbeats of the world, and of the church. We cannot figure it all out by ourselves any more than I can figure out what these heart monitors are saying. We have to go to the place where it's all deciphered. And that's in Scripture. That's to the Lord Himself, the one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. As we seek to hear the heartbeats for the world and for the church. First, the heartbeat of God for the church. The church is the people of God. And Scripture is the story of the people of God and their relationship with the Lord. The New Testament is full of handwritten letters to the churches of the time. And simply put, God loves the church. He refers to it as His bride. God likens the closest of all earthly relationships, marriage, to His relationship with the church. And He says in Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy. God loved His people throughout Scripture. And early on in Genesis, God tells His people through Abraham that you are blessed in order to be a blessing to others. Genesis 12, verse 2, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. God had a special love for His people, the people of Israel. But they were to take God's love to the nations, and the nations 
were to praise God. Psalm 113 says, Praise the Lord, praise, O praise servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, His glory above the heavens. And here immediately we see God's love, not only for His people, but also for the nations, for the world. Which puts us right into hearing God's heart for the world. The heartbeat of God for the world. Simply put, God loves the world. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. We hear more of the heartbeat of God as we understand the plan of God for the church and the world. As we have seen, the world was to be blessed through Abraham and his descendants. And as we go to the New Testament, we see God's strategy in Christ. Matthew 9 tells us that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus was concerned about the whole person. And then He sends out His disciples of the day to do the same. In Luke 9... When Jesus had called the twelve together, He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. That's what His followers were to do. And then He tells those that were to follow later, including us, Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We know it's for future generations, even us, as He gives us His promise I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, what does the heartbeat of God for the church and the world mean for us here at Orangewood as we seek to hear God's heart? We're to know that we are loved and cherished and valued, that we're seen with great dignity. We're to know that we are commissioned to love. We are blessed that we might be a blessing. And then in Christ, we're to know that the church is to engage the world, not run from it or to hide from it, by God's grace. We've been able here at Orangewood to build partnerships with other Christ followers, both here locally and around the world. Locally, you can see in your bulletin a number of the ministries that we're able to partner with. You see Shepherd's Hope Medical Care, Jobs Partnership, True Life Choice, Restore Hope Orlando, Helping Hands, Good Samaritan Fund, 
the 5K race from a couple weeks ago, went to support three local ministries. And then you are spread out in dozens of ministries throughout Central Florida, all to God's glory. This calendar year, we've been able to send out 170 individuals to serve short-term overseas in various places. Hearing God's heartbeat, we've been able to partner with 45 missionaries and key national brothers and sisters to minister to the needs of people around the world. As we have done things, as you'll see on the screen, such as church planning, mercy ministry to the poor, theological education, Muslim ministry, orphanage and children's ministry, medical ministry, youth work, disaster relief, Bible translation, education, university ministry, leadership development, street kid ministry, indigenous ministry. All of these, as we seek to have a holistic ministry, even as Jesus ministered to the whole person, preaching, teaching, and healing. Psalm 113 tells us that from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, His glory above the heavens. Looking to the east where the sun would rise, God has put us in an eight-year partnership with brothers and sisters in Turkey. And I've asked Vicki Taylor if she would come this morning and share with us just a little bit about her thoughts concerning that partnership. Vicki? Good morning. First Peter 3.15 says, Always be ready to share the hope that is within you with gentleness and reverence to God. When Donnie and I were raising our family, it was very, very young. Our boys were um, spirited, and um, that's the nicest way I can put it. And we considered going on missions trips, and then we both would just say, (laughs) no, we'd rather beat our head on concrete than take our two sons with us anywhere like that. So we decided to wait a while and let our mission field be them at home. And later in later years... Joe asked if I would go with them to Turkey and teach a women's session. When they did their pastor's conference, we would then minister to the women in Turkey. And we thought about it and talked about it. And at that time, Marla was four years old and Dan and Sam much older. And we talked even a little bit to them about going. And they were, at that time, were not terribly interested. But we decided that we would go we would give it a shot and try. We wouldn't go without her just because that's the way we live right now. But there were problems and hurdles to be managed. One was the language barrier. Turkey. I I don't speak that language. Um, The expense of travel. We could not afford the trip. Um, Children. What would we do with Marla while we were there? And Could we personally be of any service to the Turkish people? We just weren't sure. But Joe assured us that yes, we could, and that it would be a good thing to bring our daughter, and we would give it a try. So he asked if uh, we would go, and I would teach a two-day women's session uh, to the women. While the men were in their pastor's conference, we would focus on the women, the wives of those pastors, and the women of the congregation that we were working with in Turkey. 
And this was something I thought, well, I can do. I can teach. I've been teaching school for most of my adult life. I think that I could do that. Well, it turned out to be so much more than just teaching. First of all, we had to work with a translator. And I talk a little bit fast, and I use expressive language, and I discovered that the Turkish language doesn't work at all like ours. And so I had written what I thought was a beautiful presentation, and in the process of working with the translator, realized I had to stop every few words and phrase it another way and try to come up with something else that would work for her then to be able to translate that into their language. So that was a huge barrier for me, and God was faithful in spite of me with that. Working with that translator, I didn't expect to be touched by her. I didn't expect to all of a sudden think, I want to know this woman. She's an amazing, amazing woman. I was touched by her twice because the first time we were sitting in her living room, they they wanted us to go and meet with them. Their culture is about relationships, very relational culture. And so we had to go and meet with them for a while and have tea and then have cake and then more tea and more cake and visit. And it took a little while. But we wrapped up that time of discussion and meeting with a time of prayer. And I was staggered to hear her just break into prayer in her own language. I don't know why that staggered me. That was her language. But for me... As we were sitting there, our our group of Americans there to help and minister, she began praising God in her language, and the Holy Spirit was in the room. And again, I was staggered, thinking, Lord, I know you hear more than just my language, but I needed to hear more than just my language. Then we went on and did the session for the women, and It's like when you go to another place and you don't know what you're going to be getting into and you don't know what these people are going to be like. You don't you don't really understand very much about their culture. I really sort of went in expecting them to just not know much of anything and that we were there to teach them and that was our job. What I found was so much more that while I would be teaching that they would stop me and ask questions they would. Uh, we had a, a question and answer session after our time together, and we were supposed to be done by one thirty in the afternoon. We had started at around eleven, and we were there till three thirty, doing questions, just answering their questions, simple questions about faith to these mostly, predominantly Muslim women, women who had been raised Muslim and had made a conversion to Christianity. There was one young lady in our group who. Um, during the question and answer time, she said, I was born a Muslim. I was raised in a very brutal way. And she said, many terrible things happened to me. Did God, if I belong to God, did God not see me then? And it was a hard question. And all we could say to her was, God has seen you and known you forever. And your appointed time to know him fully had not yet come. And yet here you are. You believe. You have faith. You're his. And it's because he knew you from the dawn of time. And the terrible things that we have to endure in this life are part of living on this planet. It was a joy to be able to get to know her, to get to know all these women, and to discover that the pains and the struggles and the trials in their lives no different than the pains and the struggles and the trials in ours. 
Yes, there are economic differences. Yes, there are social differences. But the fact is, the community of man is the community of man. We all experience the same things. The most unexpected blessing of that event was really even after that, where we as a group took a few days to see some of the sites in Turkey. We saw Ephesus and Laodicea. And while we were on that last leg of our trip, our tour guide was a young Muslim woman, about 31 years old. Her name is Ahu Taylan. And we had little Marla with us, who was just kind of running around, an amazingly great traveler. And she fell in love with Marla. And she came to me one afternoon during a little break, and she said, tell me about her. So I told her about my child and how we had acquired her. And she, she said, I want to do that. I want to adopt. And it was an opening for an opportunity to talk with her at length about her culture, the rules and regulations and stipulations for women in their culture. She is unable to adopt as a single person there. It cannot be done. And she felt that it would be hard for her to do that even then because what Muslim man would want someone else's child? And we had to We've had some long dialogue about that over the, the years now that have passed because the blessing is, is when we left there, I left with a friend, a young Muslim friend that I still email and long to see. And the reason that we want to go back, the reason that we want to serve is to continue those relationships because it wasn't about missions. It ended up being about people. It ended up being about reaching someone else's life And not just our touching their lives, but the way that they have touched our lives. And the way that we have the most wonderful common denominator ever, and that is Jesus Christ. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Vicki. Dawn's going to come up and share about Acapulco and our ministry there with um, the Children's Home of Acapulco. We've had an ongoing partnership with them for about a dozen years. So we've done the rising sun in the east with Vicki, and now the setting of the sun for us would be uh, Mexico. So Dawn, tell us about Acapulco. Uh, Last week, Joe asked me to share something about our experience at Casa Ogar, which I'm really actually very excited to do. Um, And so a couple days later, I had a quiet time, and I'd like to just read to you my entry for that day. In Luke 13, 11, Jesus heals a crippled woman, and this was the response. Verse 14, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue rulers said to the people, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Here is a woman who is healed, and the synagogue ruler criticizes Jesus for so-called working on the Sabbath. The religious person saw healing this woman as a work. He lumped her in with things like cleaning the house and threshing the wheat. She was just another project. To the religious ruler, healing her was just another item on the to-do list. For a long time, that was my attitude towards the world. The world was one giant mission project. But Christ didn't see this woman as a project on his to-do list. 
he saw her with different eyes. My Savior has used Casa Ugar to tenderly and patiently open my eyes to see that the world and Casa Ugar are not spiritual projects. Casa Ugar is not even a place where men and women are caring for kids. It's much more personal, more intimate than that. Because of Christ, Casa Ugar is my family in Acapulco. It's where my older brothers and sisters are the hands and feet of my Savior to bring healing and freedom and hope to my younger brothers and sisters. And in the summer and at Christmas, when we go with my Orangewood family to visit our family in Acapulco, we do all the usual family things. At Christmas, we bring gifts, and we hug each other, and we cry. In the summer, we do a little work around the house to help out. We visit and play until late at night. Our sister, Cleceria, cooks heaps of delicious food that causes some of us to gain weight. We cry when we leave, and we send emails and birthday cards when we're separated. We do this because this is simply what families do. Family at Orangewood, family in Acapulco. And now I know I also have family in Armenia and in Haiti and in Japan and Turkey and India. In fact, I have brothers and sisters all over the world. And though I've only met a few of them, I am eagerly looking forward to the day when we will all be together for all eternity, worshiping our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Joe. Also in Mexico, we have a 20-year ministry with Saul and Pilar Cruz. Um, I'm going to show you a video from them right now. Now I can see schools. I can see people building better houses. I can see many people trading, having business, taking their children to school. But the best thing I can see is that there is faith. Through the reading of the gospel, through getting to know Jesus, there, there were many changes happening in this community. We don't have a big church, one big church, but there are hundreds now of little churches, places where the Word of God is being read, places where hope is being understood as something that comes from very deep, something that the Holy Spirit uses to bring us about transformation. Armenia continues to bring hope in the Jalapa Ravine. Armenia has brought us Jesus. These, these are your ministries. And as God has blessed us, we have been able to bless others, both here and around the world. And yet I truly think that we have been the most blessed. The way it seems to have worked is that we've been blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. And then as we seek to bless others, we've been blessed again. Where's God's heart? He's a rescuer. Psalm 113 goes on to say, He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes. He settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. 
God loves the nations, and yet God demonstrates His love to the individuals, to the one who is poor, the one who is on the ash heap, to the barren woman, the one in need, to you and to me. As we look at Jesus, we see Him weeping over the city in Luke 19. And that tells us where the heart of Jesus is. And it sounds a whole lot like Psalm 113, doesn't it? Listen to the heartbeat of Jesus. In John 13, after John the Apostle has put his head on the chest of Jesus, Jesus says these incredible words to him, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus also tells us, that we are to love God and we are to love our neighbors. In our world today, the greatest proof for the existence of God is the love that we have for one another. We must love each other and we must love the world in very, very practical ways. Yes, we're to give the world the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And we must do that, not only in word, but also in deed, just like Jesus did. So today, as the service ends, we're going to ask those of you who are prepared to do so on your way out into the world to live there, to come by, and the baskets are up here for the special mercy offering that we want to receive, even in our own need. And Wayne has painted a, a beautiful, Dwayne has painted a, a beautiful picture for us. Um, Some people here are going to be recipients of these very offerings because of the struggles that they're going through. Our deacon's fund has a zero balance, and there are many in our own congregation who are in great need. If you don't have, you can't give. But if you do have and you're able to, we want to encourage you. And then a a part of the offering also will go to help those in Haiti as they've been devastated by the hurricanes, even as we explained last week. Um, S.I. Etienne and his family losing every earthly possession that they had. And so we want to give you this opportunity um, to help out in this special mercy ministry. The heartbeat of Jesus is love. Love is not an attribute. Um, It is the very essence and being of God himself. Scripture tells us that God is love. But how do we become a people of love, even as God is love. We have to hear his heartbeat. And I'll close with the story of the heartbeat of the rabbi. And this story is told by Brennan Manning in a book called Abba's Child. He tells the story of a very devout, aging Jewish couple. They were greatly in love when they married, and they wanted to have a child in order to pour their love into this child. And after many years and many prayers, the wife conceived. And Manning says that she laughed louder than Sarah laughed when she conceived Isaac. Nine months later, a rambunctious, joyful baby boy came into the world and he was named Mordecai. He grew and grew until it was time to go and learn God's word at the synagogue. The night before his first class, the parents um, got with little Mordecai. 
And they explained to him how important the Word of God was. And he listened. And the next day, he left for the synagogue in the small village. But he never arrived. For you see, Mordecai decided instead to go to the woods. And there he played and he swam and he climbed all the trees he could find. Mordecai arrived home that night. And word had already spread throughout the village. Everyone knew already of his shame. His parents did not know what to do. And so they took him to counselor after counselor who tried to modify his behavior. But every time he just ended up back in the woods doing what he loved to do. His parents didn't know what to do. His parents grieved. They were seeming to have no hope when they heard that the great rabbi was going to come to the village. But they heard that the rabbi was very busy and that, in fact, he was a lion of a man. But they took Mordecai to this great rabbi and they told him of their woes. And he said, leave the boy with me and I will talk with him. They were terrified, but they left their son there. Mordecai was standing in the hallway when the great rabbi saw him from his study, and he said, Boy, come here. And scared to death, Mordecai approached him. The great rabbi picked him up, and he held him silently against his chest, against his heart. His parents came and got the son. The next day, Mordecai went to the synagogue to learn God's word. And then he went to the woods where he played and he swam and he climbed the trees. Mordecai grew to be a great man. People with great fears came to him and they found great peace. People who were profoundly lonely came to him and they found deep communion. People who felt utterly trapped came to him, and they found remarkable way out. Mordecai, the man, would always tell the people who asked, I first learned the word of God when the great rabbi held me silently against his heart. Have you and I heard the heartbeat of Jesus? John laid his head on the chest of Jesus. He heard the heartbeat. It was the heart that was soon going to be bleeding. The heart that even was going to stop beating. In order that our hearts might beat eternally. And we might know true peace and joy. In order that our hearts would never have to bleed. If we were to put our ears up to the heart of Jesus, what is it that we would hear? We would hear compassion. And we would hear love and mercy, and grace. Friends, hear the heartbeat. God loves you. And God loves the church. And God loves the world. Let us pray. Our Father, we come this morning. Hold us close to your heart, we would pray. May we be children of the King, compelled by your love to boldly name the name of Jesus and to boldly partner with those who do. Father, fill our hearts with your Spirit that we might live for you and love one another and those in this world who are like sheep without a shepherd. 
Father, we ask that you would create in us pure hearts. May we each hear the heartbeat of Jesus for his glory alone. Amen.